Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hi, Jackie Cation here. You're listening to The Dork Forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, jackiecation.com has everything. Both of my podcasts, all of the stand-up stuff, the new album, links to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. But so I think does dorkforest.com, where you can look at old videos of different shows. Anyway, if you want to support the show, tell people about the show, review it on iTunes, thumbs it up on Pandora or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate that. You can donate. You can donate monthly. PayPal lets you do that. You can also do my Venmo if you like. It's at Jackie Cation absolutely everywhere. And my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. And that's what the PayPal is. The PayPal link is on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. And go to any of them. Thanks for listening. There's merch. There's stand-up. There's tour guide. You know, you can find out where I'm touring. This is getting long. So let's get into the show. Hi, Jackie Cation here. I'm in my garage. Finally, I don't know what the hell it took so long, Tess Parker. <laughs> I have no idea why. But from lady to lady, uh, did a limited run on the Britney Spears thing called Toxic. Uh, these links will be in that. You can find them all in the notes. And if you go to her Twitter or Instagram, it'll probably be in the bio, a pinned tweet. It's at Testify Barker because it's Tess Barker, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program, Tess. Thanks for having me, Jackie. All right. I just did Lady to Lady. Yes, and we were ladies together. We loved it. We, I loved it. It was super fun. Uh, your dorkdom is so funny because I just talked to my brother and he was just talking. My brother, he loves theater. And really? you are going to be talking about musicals. And he had a fun fact about a movie of one of your listed musicals. Because musical theater is something I like, but I don't know enough about. But I, And I do... And I love that you love it. And I made you pick five of your favorites, mm-hmm. which which is which not a bad. Hard. Yes. <laughs> what makes you like musical theater besides how great it is? I mean, besides how great, besides the fact that it's like a beautiful, amazing American art form that revolutionized the way we tell stories. Um, yes, exactly. I, honestly, probably musicals have been the most consistent thing in my life, period. I was, my parents both really love musicals. Um, some of my earliest memories are like, listening to my mom's old guys and dolls vinyl, you know, with big nice. headphones on sitting by the stereo. And then I grew up in the suburbs of LA. So that was like the biggest treat that my parents would give me is a couple times a year, I would paint my nails and put on a dress and we would go down to the Amundsen and see Phantom oh, or cats. So, Oh my gosh, that is awesome. That yeah. is, um, that's right. I forget that you grew up here, which is, um, amazing. I can't tell if, can you hear that? From my computer, did you hear a boop? I didn't a hear it. Beep bop boop. Mm-mm. Oh, good. Then maybe it's a beep bop boop that's just happening uh, <laughs> somewhere else. Anyway, so uh, I forget that you grew up here, and growing up in Los Angeles sounds both kind of trying and kind of the greatest thing in the world because you're so close to like showbiz, and you're like, I could, I'm watching people that are no better than I am do things. I bet you I could do that. And which is kind of great to inspire, right? Yeah. Did you ever want to do musical theater? I did do musical theater and I was a child actor. <laughs> so, oh, there, there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had like a very bizarre childhood. That's why I think, like I said, musicals were kind of this really like stabilizing force in my life. 
I fi- I still find them very comforting. Like after Donald Trump got elected, all I could do was listen to musicals. Like oh, fair enough. They're very like grilled cheese for me. Um, and yeah, so a lot of my childhood was spent like doing my homework in the car on the way to an audition, or you oh know, I had gosh. a pager in second grade. That whole thing. Okay. All yeah. right. And um, so let's. Uh, I I love musicals uh, because I think because my stepmother loved them so, but we didn't have any of the soundtracks, and there were a couple of them. She was like, "This one ends sadly," and so I never saw the end of them. Like oh. uh, I never saw the end of West Side Story, and I've never seen the end of The King and I. <laughs> <laughs> the King Which, and I, by the way, does not, and I'll see anything. That show, yeah. does not hold up. Very racist. Nothing to do about it. Oh, nothing to do about it. It just doesn't hold up. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll, that'll happen. It turns yeah. out society will change. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, everybody was doing their best and their best was mediocre. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. And just, and cause the thing is, is if South Pacific, for example, you have to be carefully taught. Yes. Um, that some of those scenes feel super racially insensitive, but they also kind of feel accurate, you know? Yes, exactly. And, and, and I yeah. think like a show like that, when you look at it in context, it's like, of course, if that was written out, it would be problematic. But when you look at it in context, what it's saying at its heart is not, I don't think, super problematic. And there was, of course, like a big controversy when the new West Side Story movie came out. Of, was there? Yeah, because, you know, none of the writers were Puerto Rican. And in oh, the, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, West Side Wait, Story, two white guys. They didn't even that. get Lin-Manuel Miranda? <laughs> that would have he's he that would have made so much Who yeah. did it? Was it Spielberg? Um, was it well, Lucas? Who was it? Oh, I actually don't know. So um Tony Kushner wrote the the book who wrote Angels in America, amazing playwright. He wrote the book for this new incarnation, which I is gorgeous. I'm obsessed with it. Um but the original stage play was the lyrics were by it was Stephen Sondheim's first show. Right. So but baby who, Steven Sondheim and then Leonard Bernstein wrote the music and the book was by, I actually don't know who wrote the original book, but the characters in the original incarnation were not like, they didn't have a lot of dimension. They were kind of like stereotypes of Puerto Rican people. But in yeah. that show, in, in, in further incarnations of it, they really have, they, they put much more that's actually in Spanish. They fleshed out the characters in the movie a lot more. So I do think they kind of like updated. Oh, production to production, they changed it? Yes, after and then who was the who decided that they wanted to do the new i i haven't seen the new west side story but uh who who it's steven spielberg and it is steven spielberg yes it's beautiful it's beautiful yes is it shot for shot like the original movie it's not shot for shot but it definitely maintains the integrity of the original like if you love the original i think you're gonna love this one Mm -hmm. and the original movie did you see the original movie natalie wood Uh, not the end of it yes oh yes that's that's right that's right that's right Um, I've never seen the end of Romeo and Juliet either. <laughs> no, they, they grow old together and they live in a cabin in the woods is how that one ends. Awesome. Great. <laughs> um, but you know, the original is, I think everything we think of when we think of like old timey Hollywood movies that are just eye candy and beautiful. And, and because you have Steven Spielberg handling the material, you definitely have that experience of like, I'm at a motherfucking movie right now. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause he'll do like the rising sun, you know, it has that sort of that wash of, of the golden hour over it. Yes. Kind of like the outsiders or, you know, and, um, yeah, but that was Coppola, but, uh, that's, that's fascinating. So on your list of favorite, favorite shows is one that I've never seen, but I've heard of, and I know the story a little bit, which is gypsy. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so it was a play, and then mm-hmm. it was a movie. Did you see it? Have you seen productions of it on the on the stage? I've seen productions of it. I've been in a production of it. Uh, Ooh, yes. who did you? Who did you? <laughs> I won't I, know, but who did you play? <laughs> I played one of the strippers. It's actually a musical about strippers, and I played Tessie. Tora. Oh, is it? Uh huh. Which actually, I was on my run this morning, and I was. It's funny we were talking about Twitter handles because I was like, I wish my Twitter handle was Tessie Tora. <laughs> because that's the name of a stripper in Gypsy, yeah. Right, right. Is it Tessie Tora? Yeah. T-E-S-S-Y-T-O-R-A, essentially? I think that's how it's spelled, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but that's how it sounds. And yeah. that would be actually pretty awesome because then everyone would know that you love musicals. Exactly. So Gypsy is about strippers? Sort of. So it's based on a real person. Okay. Um, it's based on a real, um, I guess they, she was technically a burlesque dancer named Gypsy Rose Lee. Okay. And it was based on, I think, a Vanity Fair article about her. And her whole thing was that she was like this, she was a stripper, but she never actually showed you anything. So she was very artful in her strip okay. And it was like very erotic, but she always had like, you know, strategically placed curtain here or there. So it was like funny and sexy. And she was sort of like the first classy stripper. Okay, and so burlesque, coming coming from more of a sort of erotic dance kind of thing than yes. anything. So okay. the show is about, but the show, really the protagonist of the show is not her, it's her mother. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So she got her start, at least I only really know the version according to the stage show, but right. she got her start on vaudeville with her little sister, mm-hmm. sort of doing that whole song and dance as a kid, and then mm-hmm. grew up to sort of go into to burlesque and burlesque dancing. But okay. uh, in the show, there's the stage mother. That's the one that's pushing them to do all of that. Uh, and it's really her story. And it's about. Right. It's, it's the beautiful... story of the mom. Yeah, exactly. And like it was, re- I want to say it was first produced in 1959. Okay. And it's this like incredibly nuanced, interesting, totally dimensional female character who's like terrible, but you love her and she's heartbreaking and hilarious. And it's incredible. Wow. And what are the great songs? Like, do I know any of the songs? Like, One Night in Bangkok, that became very popular. Yeah. Uh, from, from, the, from, <laughs> from, chess. The, from Chess, yes. Which, do you know who wrote Chess? Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, good guess. It's from that era. Chess was written by the guys from ABBA. That's it. Right, but wasn't he involved? Because I saw Chess oh, in London. You? Yes. I love that show. I love, see, that's the thing about musicals. Everyone who loves musicals is like, no, chess is better than it has any, nobody thinks chess is interesting. Chess is fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And some great duets in chess. Um, great. The, the mountain duet itself is a beautiful, Andy will sometimes sing, this is the one situation. <laughs> like when he just drops something. Right. Like, I mean, just as a, as a, as a joke. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of perfect timing every time he does it. Because one of our first dates, we went and saw a production of chess in Silver Lake, really near an overpass in a black box theater. <sighs> I don't know how they... They did it because when I saw it in London, they had a rotate. It was huge. The production was, it was in 89 wow. and, um, and it was a huge production in Silver Lake in, uh, 2004. Uh, it was much I smaller for that shit. I w- <laughs> <laughs> but they did an amazing job. It was really still very good. And, and it had a different ending. I think with chess, you get to pick like different, you can pick, uh, who goes with who. 
Really? Like what? Yeah, Lady and the Tiger was. No like, kidding. So yeah, it's like Florence what they and pick. Svetlana. There's the American woman and the Russian woman. Mm-hmm. Does he go back to his wife? Does he does does he throw the game? Does he not throw the game? Does yeah. he? And does he ever get back with the American? I, I, in my memory, he never did. I did not know that there was like a choose your own adventure. Yeah. A little bit of a choose your own adventure vibe to the end of it. Wow. But, um, yeah. So what are the great songs in Gypsy? Though? Okay. Can so you... Gypsy, there's not, I'm trying to, okay. Well, there's a, uh, when they're kids, uh, the big song that she sings like before, well, she, when she's a child on, uh, there was, let me entertain you. Let oh me. Oh my God. I know that song. Do you know that one? Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then everything's coming up roses. Do you know that okay. song? Yeah, that's yeah. the big like eleven o'clock number that the mom sings. Send in the clowns. Okay, no, but that is. Okay. <laughs> I have so <laughs> I have so much to say about Send in the clowns. <laughs> Where is, is that from? That is from a show called A Little Night Music, and that's okay. a Stephen Sondheim show, and. I was thinking about Sondheim. I'm always thinking about Stephen Sondheim, but that's, (laughs) (laughs) but that song, you know, is so fascinating to me because to me, that's like, I mean, Sondheim's most famous, like crossover song, but you, you'll hear like Frank Sinatra cover that song or Barbara Streisand. And it's like beautiful. Right. But that's not how that song is supposed to be sung. When you go see a production of a little night music or you, if you Google like Dame Judi Dench singing the song or something, Sondheim intentionally put that song in a key that would be really difficult for the actress to sing. Yeah. So it's not supposed to be this like beautiful, buttery Barbara Streisand, Frank Sinatra. You're supposed to sound like you're having a nervous breakdown while you sing it. Oh. And when you see an actress and it's such a vulnerable thing for someone who's a good singer to let themselves to, sound like that. But when you see an actress really nail it, it, it gives me chills every time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the name of that one, what's the name of that play? A Little Night Music. Okay. I haven't seen enough uh, Sondheim. Well, I mean, I think uh, not seeing all of it is not saying enough exactly. uh, for Sondheim people. <laughs> so <laughs> it's who wrote So uh, yeah. So Gypsy, so it so gyps, it's just about Gypsy's mom essentially being a horrible stage mom, but also living the dream. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, like the first act is them is is her with the two daughters when they're kids, and then second act the daughter is now an adult, like super famous uh, burlesque dancer. So in theory, the mom's dreams have come true. You know, this child star who she's trying to nurture is actually be- actually she tries to nurture the other girl who doesn't become successful. But um, you got to guess. You got to put your red or black. Exactly. You got to pick. You got to pick. <laughs> so one of her roulette uh, squares, roulette numbers paid off. But uh, but then so then the the one daughter becomes super successful, and then the mom's very resentful. And it kind of ends up dissolving uh, their whole relationship. So that's sort of what the second act is about. Yeah, that is, and it sounds like it ends sad. Kind of, but they sort of reconcile. Okay. Yeah, they're I sadder want them ones. To reconcile. I, yeah, they're sadder <laughs> ones. There's also happier ones. I yeah. mean, I have a hard time with like, um, my fair lady is annoying, mm. and uh, speaking of things that don't necessarily hold up. <laughs> <laughs> the Rhine and Spine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, and the. Uh, is it Carousel? It might be Carousel, which is the saddest. Yeah. And then, and then, Oklahoma. If it didn't have that scene in it where Judd is horrible, I think I would love that movie. 
And they have the Dream Ballet in Oklahoma, which is controversial. A lot of people hate the Dream Ballet. Oh, the Dream Ballet was okay. It was a good time to go get a, a glass of milk or something or some Kool Aid when I was sure. a kid. Uh, it was if I were a ball if I was a ballet person, I'd be psyched that it was in there, right? Yeah, because it was different actors. It was actually, you know, it was sort of like like when you watch a Gene Kelly. Exactly. And I'm like such a Gene Kelly fan. And like, and it was kind of breaking form a little bit. Okay. So also just a different, the reason, one of the reasons I chose Gypsy and I'm always trying to bring it back to Stephen Sondheim is because, (laughs) I mean, one thing that I find so fascinating about musical theater is it's really like this tiny group of people. First of all, like I said, it's a very American art form. Yeah. It's like we, we really are the country that invented musical theater. It's American opera essentially. Um, but only a really, and musicals are so difficult to write and take so long to develop and require people to put so much money into them that only a small handful of people really in the history of American musicals has ever written musicals. Right. There's, there's literally, I mean, I think it's like, I mean, uh, how many musicals do you think there are? 30, a hundred? Oh, I mean, hundreds. I mean, there's (laughs) hundreds, but I mean like the ones that are, that are iconic or like the ones that made money. Okay, the ones that made money yeah 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 yeah, probably 30 probably and and 20 of those are disney movies yeah yeah (laughs) uh but so the way but the way that steven sondheim came about is as a musical theater writer he had a terrible childhood his mom was like super shitty to him and super abusive but his mom was good friends with oscar hammerstein who at the time he and his partner were like kind of running the monopoly on musicals. They did South Pacific and Oklahoma and all these shows. Right, right. So Hammerstein takes in Sondheim and becomes kind of like a surrogate dad to him. Right. And so that kind of like shitty childhood is essentially the genesis of American musical theater. Like that changes musical theater forever because once Sondheim gets in the game, the form changes completely. Like the baton goes from Hammerstein Exactly. Sondheim, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Hammerstein hooks Sondheim up with um, Leonard Bernstein and they write West Side Story together. Like the guy's first show is West Side Story. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, I suppose though the, 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 the source material, Romeo and Juliet is, is amazing. Yes. And, but Sondheim, literally the one Sondheim that I can remember, wait, did he do Sweeney Todd? Yes. Okay, so I know that, but the yeah. one that I, the one that, when I used to, I used to, I did childcare for uh, a decade, and uh, when I first moved to Los Angeles, and the kid that I babysat for was uh, just a giant theater nerd, and um, and she would have these, I thought they were bootleg, but I think that they were were gen, were she had bought them le- legitimately, but they were VHS tapes of Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. And there was Into the Woods with mm-hmm. Bernadette Peters. Mm-hmm. And we must have watched that a dozen times. And I was like, well, this is hilarious. This is so smart and funny. And I don't remember if West Side Story has that. Because I, when I think of him, when I think of Sondheim, I think of sort of a sarcasm, a, 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 you know, sort of a, just the writing seems to be really smartly funny and dark. Yes. That's Sondheim oh. to a T. But he's not always funny. He's okay. always smart. He's always okay. insightful. And he's Is he always, always dark? Uh, I'm trying to... Uh, sometimes bittersweet, if you want to count that as dark. 
okay. Which we'll know. get to with I... company, but yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, so, so, so West Side Story comes out and then Gypsy and what's cra- remarkable about these two shows is that Sondheim is a lyricist. And after that, he always, he writes his own music and his own lyrics. So oh. with these two shows, you're kind of getting to hear Stephen Sondheim become Stephen Sondheim. With them together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. and, and just the way that he knows how to put a word on top of music and marry them together. Like you think about West Side Story, like Maria, like he, yeah. he's so cognizant of the way the vowel is going to sit on the thing. And what really I think is so typical Sondheim is he writes the way the character is actually feeling. Okay. Like I was saying about Send in the Clowns, like he comes yeah. from a very emotive place. And I think, and so anyway, so I think that's uh, the lyrics in Gypsy are just incredible and very funny. Okay. Very funny. Okay. Very clever. You have a lot of that fun wordplay and just onomatopoeia. Okay. Yeah. And he did, and he did the lyrics for that, but yes. not the music. Okay. Yes. And what about Jesus Christ Superstar, the next on, which was, by the way, was I, I credit Jesus Christ Superstar as my religious experience. Me too. Really? <laughs> yes. Like it was, it's finally, Jesus made sense. Yes, it exactly. Finally made, I was 12, 13 years old. My mother had the, had the album and I listened to it all that I would cry when he, when he died. Yes. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, but he's coming back. And yes. I, <laughs> I mean, I think it made the teachings of Jesus like accessible to me because I never really I was raised Catholic, but I never connected to the what I was hearing in church. Right. It's you know, there could be no harder job than to be a priest or a pastor or someone who's trying to, to, to teach people about a spiritual experience and about spiritual teachers like Jesus. Right. Yeah. And there's there's no way. I mean, you have to be really good at it. Who wrote Jesus Christ Superstar? Andrew Lloyd Webber. There we go. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he kind of stuck the landing on it. And a thousand the, percent. Have you seen a live production of that? Yes. Ever? I've seen several Jesus Christ Superstars. I try yeah, to see I'm... it. If, if I have the chance, I try to see it. Because that oh, show, yeah. I, there's so much that I love about that show. Like, that's the show that I put on when I need to clean my house. Like, I find it so energizing. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and not, it's not, uh, at least four of those songs are on my constant rotation. Like, when uh, when uh, Pilot talks to Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, that's on my rotation. When Pilot has the dream. I used to listen to um, starting the Starting Over song. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we start over? Mm-hmm. But it uh, it was actually a downer. And ever since uh, 2016, no downers. No That's downers. fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Another kind of sad ending, apparently. To yeah, the, came for that guy. <laughs> but um, well, and then what's, but what's so remarkable? I mean, that show faced obviously a ton of controversy when it opened on Broadway. And right, everybody was like heretics and and all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also, as much as I did. Totally kind of glean, I think, some of the legitimate teachings of Jesus from it. I think what the show is also really saying is Jesus was a pretty cool guy. Religion has Took some it. issues. Well, and the the politics around all of it and the things that were coming when he was just like, I'm just trying to get everyone to realize that they are enough, you know? Yes. And so, and it's all of that. And I remember... The Mary Magdalene song, uh, one of my roommates in college at, at the co-op that I lived in, which was like a dorm, um, was from mainland China. And um, was she from mainland? She might have been, I think. Yeah. And um, very religious. 
and I would listen to that. She was like, that song is so what, so beautiful. What is it about? Where is it from? And I was like, oh, it's Jesus Christ Superstar. She was, I was, she was like, well, do you have the lyrics? And she was so furious about that song. She was like, Mary Magdalene doesn't shouldn't have sexual feet. And I was like, people are people. I can't. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm 19. You're 19. What? Yeah. What are you nuts? And <laughs> so <laughs> it's. But yeah, it was. It was. It was truly powerful. Oh yeah, and I mean, what it's so cool about that show too is, it, it, well, it's really told from Judas's point of view. That's another right. like, very irreverent thing about it. Is it's yeah. told from Judas's point of view. Judas was black in a lot of productions. Yep. Very smart casting, very interesting casting. And that, I think, sort of turned theater on its head, too, because that really that started to usher in the era of like the rock musical. You know, right. I think around the same time we had Tommy, which is. Oh, I accidentally saw that movie. Um, could anything make was, less sense? It didn't. I was like, I think I need to be on acid to see this because <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't care. And I was, I was never, I once did a fourth of a hit of acid. It was, uh, my spine melted. I didn't like it, but it, but then when I sobered up, I was like, where's the rest of it? So, uh, I might have a problem. So, <laughs> Just as long as you don't wake up swimming in baked beans, you should be all right. Oh, what is that? That's from Tommy. There's a whole weird scene. Oh, right. It's the acid queen scene. I think I have blocked that. As you should, as you yeah. should. But, uh, but no, Jesus Christ Superstar. And then another thing, are, did you see Hamilton? Or are you familiar with Hamilton? Oh, so many times. Okay, good. Yes. Great, 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 yes. great. I think Jesus Christ, I think the two shows that most we can thank for Hamilton are Jesus Christ Superstar and Les Miserables. Oh, okay. Because Hamilton, you know, is told from Burr's point of view. And I think right. that's really Lin-Manuel kind of like nodding to Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because it yeah. wouldn't, because Hamilton's point of view, because uh, I've read some histories of Hamilton and I always liked Burr better and, and Hamilton's and, and, and Lynn, the Manuel Miranda's uh, version of Burr also humanizes Burr in a way that you're like, well, he also, they're all arrogant. They're yes. all out of there. I mean, founding fathers, by definition, are going to be very, very certain uh, <laughs> that they are correct in in to to their own detriment. Yes. And so, um, and so, what was the so it was that one and Les Mis, which I've never seen. <gasps> that surprises me, Jackie. I know because uh, they're miserable. Yeah. Uh, are they miserable? <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah. But here's the kind of musical theater fan I am, and I don't know if this is just me, but like it, the, almost like the sadder the show is, the happier it makes me. Okay, yeah. Like, the, I love some people have that with musical. horror. They're okay, like the yeah. scarier it is, the less scared I am. Is yeah. what I've had from horror fans. Yeah, that's interesting. So, Les Mis is the French Revolution, right? No, it, I always thought it was the French Revolution, but it's actually about, and I just learned this like two years ago, it's about like a smaller conflict that occurred, I think, like 15 years before the French Revolution. But it's sort of about the seeds of the French Revolution. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so not eight, uh, not 1795, but like 1775? Yeah. Okay. It was yeah. right after, because here's the thing about Hamilton, is that uh, Hamilton got the French government to support the United States, the creation, the revolution in the United States, draining their money. So Lafayette got them to give all of their money to us, which caused to, in some opinion, caused the French revolution, caused the following hundred years that France could not get out of debt. 
And what if we were not there for them at all? At all until 1914 or 19, and and it was a little late. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then we made fun of them all after World War II. Yeah. So uh, and, we, and, and in 2001, and really the hits just keep on coming. Yeah, the hits keep coming. <laughs> keep hits keep coming. So yeah, so Les Mis is before that, and it's just yeah. about the poverty. Um. What is it yeah, about? It's sort of about, you know. Who are the people in Les Mis? <laughs> it's, what's the, what I love about Les Mis is that it's from this period in the in the early 90s where, like, I guess we, we still just had fuck you money. Like, shows were big and expensive and ridiculous <laughs> and had casts of, like, 150 people. The roller skating one. A Starlight Express. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like it was not Godspell. Like it, we were here for a spectacle. And so Les Mis is primarily a spectacle. It's like it's if you want to see 150 people sing in harmony on stage while doing choreo, while the stage spins around, Les Mis. That is your, that is, go, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it centers, I mean, I guess I would say the main character is, um, is a man, it's a character named Jean Valjean. And he is in prison for stealing a loaf of bread to steal, to feed his family. Okay. Escapes from prison and is, it's basically, it's kind of like Hamilton in that there's two characters kind of going after each other. So he's hunted down by this cop who's like obsessed with trying to get him basically. Right. But when all he ever did was steal a loaf of bread, but after leaving, after, after escaping prison, he's kind of like has this religious, Jean Valjean has this religious experience where he wants to live his life as a good person. So he's sort of tormented. Do I tell people who my real identity is or do I go on and just be a good person? Okay. And use my life to help other people. So that's sort of, I guess human, but then there's so many other characters. There's there's a <laughs> there's a mom who's in sex work who dies and then leaves her daughter to Jean Valjean. There's that daughter grows. It's an epic. That daughter grows up, and then there's another character who's like this really tormented soul who's kind of a tomboy who's in love with the guy that that girl ends up marrying. Uh, so it's wow. just very like epic spans many many years. It's okay. So it's it's uh, all right. The winds of war. Yes. Whatever. It's like generational. Yes. Is it more than one generation kind of situation? Is Absolutely. It? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And okay. Yeah, I may not. This may not be. Uh, but I, I feel but. like I'm not selling it. Like <laughs> you're like you might love it. What are the great songs in Les Mis? Are there great songs? Oh, there's. It's all great songs. Um, all, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a really great song called "The Dream I Dreamed," which is okay. Which is sung by the sex working mom. Okay. Um, and it's about how when she was young, she thought life was going to be amazing, but then this man breaks her heart and, and ruins um, her outlook on life. But it's a mm-hmm. gorgeous, gorgeous ballad. Uh, one day, I'm sure you heard like one day more. One day I'm more. Sh- oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I have. <laughs> sadly, I don't think I. I can't uh, actually. I will. Uh, what I will do after this is I will listen to the soundtrack to Lay Bits. Okay, great. And that will be good. And then I will, then I will have gotten, because the thing is, is like, I listened to Hamilton for two years Mm -hmm. before I got to see it. Uh, And I remember, I will never forget Emily Heller telling me in that first year, I was like, I was so into it. She was like, isn't it great? I'm going to go see it next, uh, in a month in New York. And I was like, how did you get tickets? And she said, I'm rich, Jackie. 
And, <laughs> and I was like, well, I love your honesty. She was yes. like, yeah, I have a writing job, Jackie. I'm fine. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> yes, because it cost $1,600. Yeah. It was like a million dollars to go see this thing. And then she had to fly there and put herself up. And so it was a, it was a project. It was a thing. And then when I finally did see it. Uh, Hamilton. It was a delight. I saw it at the Pantages and I had seen it with, we had to buy season tickets to see it. Mm -hmm. So we saw the whole run. I saw a very weird musical version of that Whitney Houston song, which I think is a Dolly Parton song. Babs and I got tickets for exact same, we did the exact same thing. Saw the Mm -hmm. exact same shows, uh, the Bodyguard musical. That's it. (laughs) I thought that was so fun. (laughs) <laughs> it was partially really fun and partially yeah. they seemed serious about it. And yeah. I wanted them to be a little more campy about it and, and a little more, cause I think the movie was a little more campy. Yeah. I think I might've seen it with an audience that was in on the campiness of it. I think I saw it with a good audience cause everyone yeah, yeah, was laughing, help. cheering when she's saying the final, I will always love you. Yeah. Finale, people were standing and yelling and dancing <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> That was actually really fun, too, because at the end of it, there was a sing-along, and there was all this. It was super fun. Yeah. By the way, I am talking with Tess Barker, and Tess Barker's uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram and all that is uh, Testify. No, it, yes, it is. Testify Barker. And uh, Lady to Lady is a podcast that I was just on. The Toxic is a limited series run that was about the Britney Spears thing. You guys helped bring out the awareness that, that got her that got her thing to pass. So yeah. uh, she now is in control of her own money and she could do whatever the fuck she wants to do with it. Amen. She could light it all on fire. Do you know why? Cause it's hers. Do whatever <laughs> you want lady. Anyway. So, uh, <laughs> burn it to the ground. Do whatever exactly. you need to do. You're an adult human. <laughs> okay. So, um, but yeah, so I will, I will listen to that. Now this one, the secret garden I, I, is a book that I read. Yes. I chose it, this one because yeah. it's one that I personally love, but I think it's a more obscure show that I would like to bring awareness to. <laughs> there we go. Let's bring it out uh, there for the Rangers. Yes. And it's one that I just, I think, have a personal connection to because I saw it. There used to be a theater in L.A. called the Schubert. Right. That was I like in Century. You remember the Schubert? Yeah. Um, that's where I saw the secret. And it was, I remember it being like a really nice theater. Yeah. Um, where was it? It was in Century City. Okay. Yeah. So it, if it would have just held out just like another 10 years, that whole area got gentrified within an inch of its, like Culver City isn't too far away Yeah, to have gotten, that's People too bad. That it, up. I wonder where it is. What, is the building still there? I think it's like a mall now. But, but that was Boo. before, like when I was a kid, we never saw stuff at the Pantages. It was always either the Amundsen or the Schubert. Oh, fair but, enough. Uh, so The Secret Garden also was a book that I loved as a child, was obsessed with that book. Yeah. What a gorgeous, like, beautiful piece of fiction to just want to live in. It's so beautiful. It's just magical. It's sort of like when you go through the thing in Narnia, when you, you know, the Wizard of Oz turns into color. Pardon me while I gesture wildly and knock (laughs) my laptop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a great fantasy, right? Like, I don't know why, but it's so enticing, this idea of, like, there's a garden no one else knows about, and it's a labyrinth, and you get to go into it. So I think this show brings to life everything that's so wonderful and magical about that book and just captures the tone perfectly. Who wrote, uh, the, who wrote the book? It I was mean, the, the song two, and music. It was written by two women, actually. Uh, Lucy Lortel, I think, is the composer's name. And, oh, gosh, I'm going to blank on 
the other of the lyrics. Name. Yeah. It's but it was written by two women and mm-hmm. um who I think one of them went on to write the Doctor Zivago musical like ten years later. Because that's how oh, long wow. it takes to write a musical. <laughs> <laughs> um, True. But the score is just like gorgeous. Like it's these really haunting, um, beautiful kind of harmonies that you you feel like you're like literally listening to ghosts on the English moor. Like the the sound (laughs) it's like oral fog. You know, it's just like (laughs) it's beautiful. And I'm a huge, huge, huge Mandy Patinkin fan. Okay. Uh, and he's on the original Broadway cast recording. And to me, like, uh, there's almost no sound on this earth more beautiful than, like, Mandy Patinkin's voice. And so this is just, like, Mandy being Mandy. Like, there's he has all these beautiful kind of, like, operatic moments and th- this incredible duet called Lily's Eyes. Mandy plays oh. the uncle. Okay. What is there, two uncles? Anyway, they're both in love with the guy, Colin, who the mom okay. died. So yep. they're both in love with that woman who died. And there's and okay. li- Lily's the woman who died. Um, and there's this beautiful duet called Lily's Eyes. That's Mandy Patinkin and John Cameron Mitchell, who went on to write Hedwig and the Angry Inch. That's right. I was thinking, I, I thought it had a Hedwig connection. I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, just, and also as an adult, I have befriended uh, the woman who played Mary and was the youngest person to ever win a Tony. So I got, shout, I got to shout Daisy Egan out. Our lives are amazing. Everyone's like, everyone has like some weird story where they're like, well, I knew the guy that invented like plastic wrap. And you're like, what? Like my dad knew the guy who invented um, putting plastic wrap over um, dry cleaning. Really? <laughs> yes. And those are the richest people, right? Like you meet someone really rich and you're like, what do you do? You know, is it, what is it, liquor? Like, and they're like, oh, no, I make the little button that goes on top of other buttons. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it turns out I have a castle. Yes. And right. It's so weird. Now, the weird thing about Hedwig is that for my anniversary one time, we, uh, Andy and I went to New York and he wanted to go see theater on our anniversary. And we got to see Hedwig uh, and the Angry Inch with the original. It was a return of the original guy who was first in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing. Um and then we saw it here and the production, you know, it's so interesting to see these productions, s- different people doing those roles and those interpretations and how much it can add to, you know, the, the written word. You know, it's it's a little bit like watching, I just watched some woman lip sync one of my bits on TikTok <laughs> and I was like, I see what you're doing with your face and I don't mind it. It's kind of interesting, you know, kind of like it's another way of, of getting a glimpse into the material. That's what I think is so sexy about theater is like, it's the most, and what I love so much about standup too, like obviously live performance has that incredible immediacy and, you know, a joke that you tell tomorrow night is not going to be the same as you tell it on Friday night. It's always going to be kind of this living, breathing piece. Mm -hmm. And that's so the case with theater. Like a piece can can have a life so many so many different incarnations and it can you can set Jesus Christ Superstar on Mars if you want and cast Ben yeah. Affleck and you know like there's so many different ways that you can interpret this piece and it's always a little bit different. It's always going to be different, whether it's better or not. It's just it, there might be something that you see in it that you're like, well, they got this part so much better than I, the last time I saw it, which I didn't even notice that part. And possibly I noticed it this time because the rest of it was shit. Exactly. But this part, like nailed it this time. And, yeah. and, and you, and 
there's there's so much one of the great things about musicals is that they can be about anything like the, you know and you're just like what do you care and you've come to see singing and dancing it's also <laughs> about i don't know wrestling it's going to be amazing right, right. and like I, I saw um, Mama. Me- I tried to write a musical. Uh, I spent, I didn't really. I spent huh? uh, a couple of months going through these songs because I saw Mama Mia, mm-hmm. and I thought that Mama Mia was super fun, and it was arbitrary, and the the plot didn't have anything to do with those no. songs. No. But it was a good time. It looked like those old people were working their asses off. Yes. And as they climbed up a cliff on an island in Greece, and you're like, what is happening? Why have you made her Mar- Mar- Meryl Streep continue to walk up these stairs? <laughs> anyway, so, um, but I thought it would be funny to take the album, Air Supplies album, with the balloon on the cover, uh-huh. which is, I think, one of their greatest hits. So it like, has the most hits on it. And I was like, I, I think I could write a musical for Air Supply. And it turns out that album isn't re-listenable at all. So it was impossible for me to do. I like, and, and I forced myself to listen to it for a couple of weeks. I was like, but what if this happened and it would be a love story and it would be this? It's like, I don't know how. Th- Have you ever tried to write a musical? I actually have. I actually have written a musical, and it was produced in New York. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Tess Barker. What was it called? What was it about? Tell me more. Uh, it's called Time Between Us, and it's a two-person musical um, that I wrote with a composer. I wrote the book and lyrics for it, and it is about we call it like Will and Grace meets the last five years. So it's about a gay guy and a straight girl. And it starts out with them like fresh out of college, wanting to have these like amazing dreams about what they're going to do with their lives, their amazing careers and this great family life. And then it's snapshots of them over the next 35 years. Oh my God. And you see, <laughs> and you see like what they have to sacrifice in order to get certain things and then sort of what happens to their friendship and, you know, the way that friendships actually do kind yeah. of like drift apart as yeah, they yeah. get older. Yeah. Yeah, and that show, I we were very influenced by The Secret Garden. It's and I'm like a stand-up, so like I think if you saw the show, you would not think a stand-up wrote it. It's like it's a piano, cello, people cry at the end. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. And it's well, I think that when like that's my great fear about writing a novel is that it would be like the saddest thing in the world, and there would be no comedy, right? Yeah, like because my stand-up is stand-up, right? I could tell a story. I could pepper it with punchlines. There could be punchlines. There's a button. We all win. Uh, <laughs> if when I'm doing it's it's like when you saw Robin Williams act. Yes. There is there there's a there's a well. In I think inst and this is you know obviously I'm going to be prejudiced but I think stand up comics who go into acting have a chance to really do those sort of not sad clown thing. I mean, that's too easy a definition, but there is a depth to when you, when you're, you have that perception of what to write material about, you are also editing out the tragedy around it, right? You're trying to definitely, yeah, you're trying to make it the coal into a diamond of, well, this is horrible, but then we all lived right. Or whatever the punchline is. And, 
Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, it all comes yeah. from like a. We, I think, all, all comedians have a pathos within us. Like the only thing that makes it funny is the punchlines. Like without that, it's pretty sad. Right. Then it's a sad that that then you could write an Oprah book of the week and it would be a slice of life that was just interesting. Or and the prose might be amazing. Yeah. Um. But I think like if I if I wrote a musical or if I wrote a novel, I would want it to a have a happy ending. It's, I mean, there's already so much tragedy all around us, <laughs> you know, so it's a big, though I know that people find it cathartic. You know, I, I will occasionally read a romance novel that is super sad and the misunderstanding couldn't be more basic. <laughs> like literally one decent conversation between these two people and it would all <laughs> work out. <laughs> But I will be like, no, her feelings are hurt. And I will just be sobbing as I'm reading a book. And it will be kind of cathartic. So I think that that's maybe what you can get out of, like, Les Mis. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's catharsis. And I get really, like, turned on by just, like, truthful observation of humanity. So, like, yes, it's sad, but I find that very, like, invigorating as well. And my Sean, my husband, is the same way. Like, he doesn't want to watch anything sad. Like, oh, that looks like a bummer. Unless it's about, like, war. I guess there's a caveat for war stuff. But uh. <laughs> well, because people are facing their fears and then they're dying anyway. But yeah. <laughs> they've at least faced their fears. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a, it's not an irrational fear. Someone's shooting at you, sir. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what is that? Move. Catch 22? Yeah, you should be afraid. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I find it like, I, I get really like hyped from that. And I, I mean, especially in a musical setting, like when someone has a really beautiful singing voice and they're singing about something sad. Yeah. I feel alive. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, there's some of the songs in Hedwig, because I, because uh, we saw it twice. I, of course, have uh, several productions worth of, like, the, um, Neil Patrick Harris. Did um, you see it I, with Neil Patrick Harris? I did not. I saw it with, uh, the original guy, and then I saw it with somebody else that was famous, and then I can't remember who. And then Andy, uh, wanted to go see it again because the lead was a woman. Oh, they had uh, for a while. Ali Sheedy was doing it off Broadway, right? And it wasn't, it wasn't Ali Sheedy. He wanted to see the Ali Sheedy one, but then it was a different woman doing it. And he was like, "I think that it would be a different play with a woman because we mm-hmm. knew people's parts, right? They we knew the dangle gender thing was going to be there when the when the when the nakedy came, yeah. And um, and it just it made it would change it in ways that were, yeah. And yeah, theater's ju- great, isn't it? And, well, I'm curious so because you saw so you saw the off Broadway one, which was in a more intimate venue, mm-hmm. and then you saw the Pantages one, which they staged that to be like a show. Which no, one no, did we you saw prefer? Pantages. Okay, okay. And we saw New York in Recently, a fancy. So you didn't see on, it like it. Okay. Like four or five years ago, we okay. saw the New York one, and it was also at a a Broadway theater. Okay, because originally it was sort of a cabaret show. And you right. would go into this, and it was very like pared down, and Hedwig would kind of come. Out. I never saw that production, so I was right, curious. Right, that sounds to know. like something Bridget Everett should do. Yes, like where you're just walking along, and then all of a sudden she shoved her boobs in your face. I love and that. And you're like, <laughs> I, I would, I would, I sat in the back. Uh, I didn't, I didn't need to motorboat Bridget Everett's boobs. <laughs> so I'm good. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I. Uh, um, but I, the chess was the one that we saw in the in the small, in in the tiny thing. So, here's what I do want to talk about though, because this one I think is another Sondheim is the last one on your list, and you know if we we have time, we'll talk more. But uh, what what is Company? Okay. So Company is a show that I am very familiar with the music too, but I've never actually had been lucky enough to see. So I'm, okay. dying, I'm dying to see it. Uh, oh, wow. They just changed up the casting on this one. Well, I'll tell you about the show up first before I tell you okay. how they changed it. But um, so it's basically about this like single guy. The show opens up on his 35th boyfriend, his 35th boyfriend, his 35th birthday. Um, and he's single, but he's like the guy who's got all these married friends and friends that are coupled up. But he's like the cool single guy who's always. So mm. it's a series of vignettes all about marriage with a single guy as the protagonist. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's our narrator. He's our perspective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so he's like, why would I want this? Why would I want this? But then like. It's Sondheim, and it's most people think of Company, it premiered in 1970. And most people think of Company as the beginning of Sondheim's genius period. Because after this, he writes uh, Into the Woods, Sweeney Todd, all that stuff. Okay. Um, And it's just the most, it's very grounded, unlike Sweeney Todd or Into the Woods. It's not fantastical at all. It takes place in New York in the 70s. Right. Um, (laughs) And it's just about, like, relationships and life and living in the city. But, I mean, the lyrics are just, like, gut-wrenching but beautiful. And, And it's written by a gay man, but he just nails what it is to be, like, married. It's yeah. written by someone who's never been married, who's never had any of that. I mean, and it's just these beautiful, beautiful lyrics that are, like... And how old is he in 1970? Let's see. He was probably, like, 40? Okay, yeah. so he had he had seen some things. He had yeah. seen plenty, and he had been in probably he might have even been in relationships. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I had my first relationship when I was thirty nine. Wow! But uh, it was. Uh, but he had probably had. He Maybe. was probably an adult human. You know, I learned after he died that he married for the first time like two years before he died. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was such a workaholic that mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he had like a long-term boyfriend here or there, but I kind of think he was just like always kind of like in his apartment, like frantically writing music and lyrics until five o'clock in the morning. Right. And then probably hanging out with somebody if he needed to get a tune up. Exactly. Um, Yeah. 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 Which was a good portion of my life. So (laughs) it was uh, not as glamorous probably, but that's because the word tune up. That nobody's having glamorous sex uh, with with that word. Hopefully, anyway, there's but, at least uh, oil. Um. <laughs> yes, yes, there was a lube job, and uh, boom, and uh, the. Uh, but so okay, so it's literally it's just a series of of, of vignettes about about other people's relationships yes. as this guy looks at it. Yeah, and and how does I mean. Spoiler alert, 1970, not going to worry about it. How does it end? Um, it ends with this incredible song called Being Alive, which mm-hmm. I really recommend you like YouTube or listen to. I mean, the lyrics in this song gut me every time. Uh, okay. But it kind of ends with him having this epiphany about like, oh, yeah, this is what marriage is. But he doesn't end up with anyone or anything. Right, right. It, it, end, just it has ends. a very ambivalent ending. Yeah. But I actually okay. am not familiar with there. Apparently the book which Stephen Son, that's what we call the in-between part where there's yep. no singing. 
Right. Uh, the, the book is actually the lyrics and music, right? Is the that book what, is and, just when they're talking and there's nothing. No oh, it's music. like the script? Yeah, yeah. And then okay. lyrics is obviously lyrics. So the book is like when there's no music underneath it and it's just so something there's not all musicals are book musicals. Some musicals are completely sung through. Like Hamilton is a sung through musical. There's no part yeah, it where is. it's just like a scene. Yeah, there's no there's no chatting. It's just yeah. they they always sing to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean another company also has this really great song, uh, Elaine Stritch. Do you know who that is? Yeah. She was in the original Broadway cast, and that's another example. She's got this song called Ladies Who Lunch. Okay. <laughs> and Which, he made up the term Ladies Who's Lunch, essentially? Sondheim did? Um, that, you'd have to fact check me on. I'm not sure that he made that up, but he certainly right. made it famous. He made it famous in 1970. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's yeah. this woman who's really bitter, kind of like going off about high society women and how ridiculous their lives are. But again, it's not a pretty song. And by the end of it, she's screaming. I mean, like, it's not, there's nothing pretty about it, but it's so honest. And it's such a smart song. And it's so funny uh, and so nuanced and just yeah. fantastic. I love, to me, in a musical, like, I'd always rather have you be a better actor than anything else. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, so there's the some... There's some musical people that just have gorgeous voices, but if you don't have the acting chops to, like bring right. that honesty it doesn't hit in the same way i would see hugh jackman in oklahoma i mm -hmm. bet you he's amazing exactly in, in that yeah mm -hmm. and um and i was surprised when you know i was always like uh i i was slightly obsessed with hamilton when everyone was and um i remember listening to it going it's interesting that lin-manuel miranda would book people that have better voices than he does yeah like, cause his voice is great, but it is not the guy who played Burr. Leslie Odom Jr. Oh, Les I could Leslie live o in that guy's voice. Yeah, that guy's voice is a stick of butter. Yeah. That guy is just like, uh. <laughs> the, it, is a, it is a canoe on a, on, a, on a still lake. It is a beautiful thing. Yes. And uh, on a sunny day, but not too sunny. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, almost a perfect voice as far as I can tell. And, um... Yeah, I do. I yeah, I agree. It it, it makes it, or it makes sense that that the acting, even if the singing isn't, like there's probably someone who sings better. But if the acting the acting chops have to be equal, you know. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. kind of like my partner and I. Whenever we put up our show, that's like our first thing is like when we're casting. Like, can they act? Yeah, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it was. Ron Funches told me that he's been taking voice lessons oh, because really? he's getting cast as these cartoon. He gets cast a lot as cartoon characters because of his voice. And then they're like, "Can you sing in that in that in that in that character's voice?" And he's like, "Probably." And, uh, <laughs> and so he's had to learn. He's yeah. had to had to take some classes on on singing in in different, you know, if he's doing a character, how to keep that character. So it's like an acting and, and singing lesson all in one. That sounds really, really difficult. Yeah. Doesn't it? Wow. Yeah. To be able to keep your pitch and everything and still have like this affect to your voice. And wow. right, right. And still be the, the, I don't know, the mouse. Yeah. And <laughs> you're like, you are also a shark. And, uh, cause, um, did you see Evan Hansen? You know, I didn't, and this is controversial, but I didn't like, I love, I'll, I'll see anything. So like if I had gotten a ticket or whatever, I would have gone. 
sure. didn't connect with the music or like what I know of the story. Right. I think, I think I'm wrong because I didn't, there, there was, um, there was, a uh, when I listened to it, I was like, wait, is this white kid lying through his teeth? Yeah. And I was just like, what am I missing? And I think I'm missing that he's uh, slightly autistic is what I think I'm supposed to uh, oh, get is out that of this. It? Yeah. Okay. And I think that there's another layer to that character that, that isn't obvious just from the soundtrack. <laughs> so, all right. But there's I'll a couple it. of great songs it. in it. There's great, there are great songs in it. And I could tell it's a fun show. I think uh, this is just me being old, but like, I feel like I'm a little put off. Isn't there some kind of a social media element to the show? Entirely. So, yeah. See, I think that, yeah. pu- that puts me off. Right. And what about the waitress? Oh, okay. The waitress. This is Which another... I've never seen and I don't even know what it is. It is. That's actually based on an indie movie that I think came out like in the early aughts that Carrie Russell is in. Okay. That's it's like the it's movie a... came first. The movie came first and it like was not a big movie. Um, and tragically, actually, the writer director of that movie was murdered in her apartment. But that's a whole other thing. Oh, right. That's what I think. Do you I... remember? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the music in Waitress is fantastic. And in particular... There's this Tony's performance of the ballad from Waitress called She Used to Be Mine. Okay. Again, I get chills thinking about this. You want to talk about acting? This is about, it sounds, it's written as though it's like a love song of this woman who's like lost a romantic interest, but you realize she's singing because she's pregnant and she's like singing this like mournful love song about her former self before she was pregnant. Oh my God. Yeah. It's. Good night, New York. It's like the <laughs> best. <laughs> right. I, as you were telling that story, I went miscarriage. And, um, and you're like, no, no. She used to not have a, a, a pregnancy. Yeah. And, yeah. So. and it's like so real and so honest and so heartbreaking and beautiful. And like, this is all the stuff I like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. It's, uh, so what I'm going to do for sure is I'm going to look up the Elaine Stritch being alive. Uh, version yes. to listen Elaine to that. Stretch is Ladies Who Lunch. Well, Being well, Alive right. is in the same show, though. Being Alive. It's in the same show as yes. in Company, so yes. it's Ladies Who Lunch. Pardon yes. me while I make a note, because <laughs> uh, I do want to hear that as well. And then I'm going to look up this, uh, the Waitress, uh, the Tony Awards version. Yes, Jesse um, Mueller is the uh, actress's name. The Gypsy, there was, uh, my brother was just telling me something about Rosalind Russell buying the rights so that, um, uh, the swimmer, <laughs> somebody couldn't be, someone who played it on Broadway couldn't be in the movie. Really? Yeah. I don't know but There was this. some drama, uh, between, uh, the stage production and the Hollywood production and oh. Rosalind Russell didn't want the woman who did the stage production or... The other way around. I've they, got to um, find a, Is it Patty Lapone? That they're at? No. Mm. I'm trying to. Um, hey Siri, who played Gypsy? See what happens there. <laughs> oh, which one? No, yeah. you're not wrong, Gypsy. Uh, you're not wrong, Siri. Did you know that if you say to Siri, uh, "Hey Siri, Lumos," it'll turn your flashlight on? Really? Yeah. And That's if you say, so hey, Siri, Knox, it'll turn it off. That's adorable. 
It is adorable. Thank and, you for uh, that, Jackie. That's because I'm like, I get just my heard flashlight. That I'm always yeah. like, yeah. What do I? Yeah. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Yeah. If you could, if you just talk to your phone and ask them if your series turned on, it'll do it with the uh, with the Harry Potter um, thing, which is fun. That's adorable. I'll have to tell my nieces about that as well. Exactly. And um, so, and I might try Les Mis. Les Mis seems, yeah. Oh, a little okay, light I'm... music, though. <laughs> I might do a little light <laughs> Okay, but he, do you know, you mentioned Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I don't think a good entry point would be the movie version that he was in. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I like Hugh Jackman. I yeah. love Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Uh, for he is huge. And, yeah. um, okay, I'll give that a shot. And then, um, other than that, and maybe The Secret Garden. I'll look into the because Mandy Patinkin probably uh, there's probably uh, you said that was the original cast recording. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll try that. And it's been an hour. I should just tell you, but uh, I, the, me, I'm recapping all the things I learned here at the end of this particular <laughs> dork forest. Uh, <laughs> well, you were right. This went very fast. It did go very fast because uh, I like it too, but I don't know enough about it. So I love this insight into it, and. Um, and it's just a nice, it's fun to talk about for an hour. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Tess Barker, for being on the program. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, rangers of the dork forest, know that it's Testify Barker. Listen to Lady to Lady, find Toxic, and listen to that. And um, and maybe, uh, yeah, email me if you, if you got, uh, if, if you found some errors in the things I said. Jackie at JackieCation.com. It's always fun for people to, to tell me, ooh. You're right, but you're also wrong. Oh, and thank you're like, God for the internet people. And you are right people. as well. Yeah. I am often sometimes wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where should people, um, where should, uh, uh, this is going to go up on uh, the middle of January. Anything awesome. anyone should look for you? Yeah, I post all my shows on Twitter, Testify Barker, like you already said, Instagram. Uh, my website's testbarker.com. There you go. Those are good places. Now you know. Thanks for doing the show. Thank you. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?